Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette Recaps. I'm Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita, and joining us as always is Peter Sagel. I just want to apologize to Trisha's mom and Greta's mom (laughs) and my mom. But I also want to say, Greta's mom, thank you for the cookies. They were great. (laughs) All right, so uh, we've been recapping Movies of 99. We started with The Matrix, and today we are recapping The Blair Witch Project, which none of us had seen before watching it for this recap episode. Isn't that weird? Yeah, correct. Is it weird? Well, it's it's a little <laughs> bit of a whiplash because last week The Matrix is a movie I've seen. I'm going to think about it ten thousand times, <laughs> including like the DVD extra scenes and commentary and making of documentary. So it's like you know I, I could I could have gotten a doctorate in Matrix studies, and then it was weird to walk into a movie about which I almost knew nothing except that it was very mm-hmm. popular in 1999 and a big deal, and right. I avoided it because I don't like scary movies. Uh-huh. So if you are one of those very few people out there who, for some reason, also has actually never seen it, um, the title card of this film kind of says it all. Their setup is, in 1994, three young filmmakers went into a wooded area in search of a legendary witch, and a year later, their footage was found. Dun dun dun. Dun 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 dun. I think we could also call that a spoiler, couldn't we? Well, that's one of the really interesting things about interesting. it. That if you were to make show this movie, and one of the things we're gonna end up talking about is the viral marketing campaign, because yeah. in, uh, Trisha, I'm sure you as usual did more and better research than I did, but what I was able to find <laughs> out is that this movie is as remembered both for its, you know, found footage gimmick as it is for what was people call the very first viral marketing campaign, i.e. that instead of like doing usual movie ads, they actually, you know, created this backstory and sent out all these rumors and created these websites that professed to show that this was all real, that this really was found footage. Yeah, I mean, the the idea of it as a gimmick was actually, like a lot of people didn't realize that. And we actually, we got a voicemail from Jake that is about just this. So let's... Let's listen to it. But actually, before that voicemail, one thing I learned about when I was reading about it is that so this film premiered at Sundance. Yes, at a mm-hmm. midnight showing, no less. And even for the screening, they said that like none of the actors were available because yes. they were dead. Like even at yes. Sundance, they yeah. were saying this stuff. So let's listen to Jake. My name is Jake Riley. I live in Chicago. I remember going to go see Blair Witch Project the summer after I graduated high school with two of my best friends. None of us had heard that it was not real, though. So I was incredibly freaked out by this movie. It really scared the living daylights out of me as as an 18-year-old man. (laughs) The next day, or maybe it was the the couple days after, I saw uh, the actress on MTV's Total Request Live with Carson Daly (laughs) being interviewed after I just thought she had died. (laughs) And I was like, what the hell is going on here? You know, there was no internet, so I couldn't really, like, Google it, but um, pretty much found out that this was, whole thing was, was staged. And so I was kind of embarrassed. But I still stand by my thought that it was a really good movie, and they did a really good job of scaring me. So that's all. 
Thank you. I just love like the total request live of all things. Also, it's just like such it's it's like the perfect way to find good old out. TRL. Exactly. So ninety nine. So you know what's weird is even though I didn't see the movie, I remember seeing the three actors on the cover of it could have been late lamented premiere magazine or maybe Entertainment Weekly, and they had staged it like oh it's Blair Witch Project, so they're all pretending to be burned at the stake or something. And I remember even though I totally <laughs> avoided the movie, feeling the same sense of relief like oh they're actors. Oh, nobody really died. Because even to me, somebody who had no desire to see the movie, it had like suffused down to my level that like, wow, these people really disappeared. This is real footage. Uh, And it's a brilliant gimmick because if if you don't have that title card and everything that went with it, this whole backstory, then this would be the most boring movie ever made. But what, (laughs) seriously, it's just like people wandering around the woods for like seemingly hours and nothing happens. It is a tight 80 minutes though. Because you know they're going to disappear, quote unquote. It's, the tension is built in and it's really brilliant. And a lot of, I mean, I put out the question as I'm sure you guys did, like, okay, how did, horror movie fans, of which I am not one, how did this affect the genre? What did it come up with? Mm-hmm. What did it not? And a lot of people said, oh, you know, there are much better found footage movies. Like people mentioned Paranormal Activity, which came out some years later as a much, much better found footage movie. And that may be true. I've never seen them. I don't like horror movies. But what really put this movie apparently over the top in terms of like cultural amazement is the idea that the people who made it are gone and we don't know why. And that makes it kind of scary. I actually really enjoyed it far more than I thought I would. Huh, that's cool. Do you think, I mean, that just wouldn't work now, right? I mean, think about what you'd have to go through in order, just because everyone exists on so many different platforms. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, one of the things I was watching this movie and thinking was, wow, the footage is terrible. And that's because in 20 Mm -hmm. years, we now all have really nice high definition cameras in our pockets and we've Mm -hmm. all gotten really good at making videos and we've all had a real high expectation. Even the 16 millimeter footage, the black and white footage in the movie seems grainy and low def. It was, it was, it's sort of weird. So it probably wouldn't have the same impact. It's, it's, it's definitely this movie is a, is an artifact of its time. As somebody who yeah. had a low-budget digital video camera in 1999 or soon <laughs> after, I can also tell you that no amount of batteries in your pack in the world, it's not possible that they didn't lose battery power right, in that many days. Right. Yeah. They make yeah. they make some remark at the beginning. They're like, "We have so much batteries," <laughs> <laughs> like when they're getting ready in the movie. And I just remember thinking, like, "Oh, that's how they're trying to justify this." But let's be honest, they were like six inches thick, sticking off the back of your camera, and they lasted mm-hmm. for like thirty-two minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've had some. I'm old enough to remember that too. You know, we should probably mention, uh, Trisha. You can, if you want, what you probably found out in terms of the making of the movie which is that the actors were hired for their improvisation abilities. All the mm-hmm. dialogue is improvised. That the fo- This I found incredible. The footage was actually shot by the actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They yeah. actually gave the actors uh, a 16-millimeter a, a camera, a sound system, a sound recording deck, and a video camera, and they told them to, they gave them an education, this is how you shoot. However, they did provide them every morning during the shoot with fresh batteries because, <laughs> of course, the batteries couldn't last. <laughs> So, and and apparently the way it worked was the actors would wake up every morning. It took about eight days to shoot. And they'd be given, uh, this is what's going to happen today. This is what we want you to go. And we want you to set up. And there's going to be a camp waiting for you there. So the idea is your characters are going to try to walk this way. And you're going to end up here. Follow this GPS. And 
a lot of the scares they weren't aware of. So like they're sitting in a tent at night and all of a sudden noises of screams or whatever or footsteps outside actually happened and they were recording their genuine, if, you know, improvised responses to those Mm -hmm. things they didn't actually expect, which... Yeah, it wasn't like, take 27, scream again. And that that both contributes to uh, how crappy the the footage is because it's not, you know, faked fake real footage it's real real footage and also i think it actually adds to the power because one of the things i kept coming back to watching this movie was how good the actors are they came across as real people dealing with a real situation as opposed to horror movie bullshit which i very much appreciate let's listen to a clip speaking of the actors um this is kind of early on but like when things are have definitely like taken a turn we'll say I would love to hear this right now. I really would. I'm just trying just to say go. that, you know, we have to I know Leah. rationally say they they might they might very well go on forever compared to our footsteps. Not not possible. Not possible in this country. Why is not, it not possible. possible. Because oh, this is America and it's not possible. We've destroyed America, most of our natural resources. Let's keep going. America. Gotcha! It's funny having grown up in Alaska where like woods are inherently scary anyway. It's like my idea of the woods is if you get lost, you die. Yes. And my idea of the woods growing up in suburban New Jersey is how do you get lost in the woods? (laughs) Can't you always see the highway? Yeah. You you, you walk four minutes in any direction and you get to a housing development. I mean, what's going on here? (laughs) And I, I love the fact that. Uh, that they mention that. You can't get lost in the woods. This is America. We've destroyed all the woods, mm-hmm, and yet mm-hmm. they're still lost. Apparently, another thing I found out is a lot of the scenes that are shot where they're supposedly in the middle of the woods and they can't get out, they don't know no idea where they are, is if you had panned the camera at like four feet to the right, you yeah, would have seen there's a McDonald's. McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> because you can't get lost in the woods in America anymore, at least not down here in the lower 48. Yes. I don't know. I think there's some pretty deep woods left here in the mountains in Utah, but that's oh, yeah. why I only go hiking on trails that are clearly marked. <laughs> I'm very, I'm usually very, um, what's the word, a cynical about all these acting things. We're like, oh, we really starved ourselves. We really got lost. You know, there's but apparently a fa- they kept him hungry too. They kept him hungry. And, and, and uh, I mean, you know, there's a famous, extraordinarily apocryphal story I'm meaning I don't believe it's true about the set of Marathon Man where Dustin Hoffman was trying to work himself up into being like starved and tortured and miserable. And he's like trying to get himself into that state. And Laurence Olivier supposedly said to him, my boy, have you ever tried acting? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, just act. Don't have to, you don't have to like go to training camp. But I actually, I think that the fact that these actors were genuinely hungry and frustrated and disoriented and they genuinely didn't know what the filmmakers had planned for them actually yeah. helps it really makes yeah. the movie i mean the thing that makes the movie work and i did think it worked is how genuinely real and how genuine the reaction seemed to be to the incredibly weird shit happening to them mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I, I mean and, and they can't believe it in exactly the same way a real person would f- refuse to believe it and and i appreciated that they don't act like characters in a horror movie nobody yeah, says they aren't they aren't thinking immediately like, oh, this must be the Blair Witch. They're like, oh, some people from town are totally right. messing with us. This sucks. Let's get out of here. Yeah. yeah. But they're not like, well, this is the witch because yes. we believe in witches. And we must fight right. the witch because no, in real life, nobody would ever do that because they're not in a horror movie, right? Right. And these, yeah. guys, mm-hmm. these guys who are in a horror movie don't act like it. And that, to me, is a lot of the power of it. 
I want to go back to the woods thing for just a second because we got a really great voicemail about it sure. uh, from someone in Tennessee. My name is Chassie and I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I think anybody that has grown up in a world where they spend any time outdoors, just we all know that like there's creepy unexplained shit that happens in the woods. And if you go camping, you're going to see weird stuff. And it's just, you know, nature can be weird, but not inherently scary. Um, So we left the theater kind of confused because folks around us were like freaking out. And we were like, this is the dumbest shit we've ever seen. So I don't think it's scary. It felt very much like somebody that's never been outside went outside and was scared of a tree. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> that, that, that would be, I don't know if people remember the great New York Times movie summaries on their trivia listings, but that would be a great one. So people right? go outside and are scared by a tree. Trees are scary. 84 man. minutes, rated R. I just kept thinking about the first uh, season of True Detective, too, when oh, sure, they would encounter yeah. all of their, uh, you know, yeah. symbols and, and things, and, things. Just, and just thinking, though, that for me, I mean, I guess I'm glad I've finally seen this movie. I, this more than any other movie we've watched. I kept pausing and being like, "How much longer is this?" Uh-huh. Now, were you doing that because you were like, "Oh my God, please let it end. It's so terrifying." Or were you doing it because this is so boring? How much more time do you ha- do I have to spend with it? Like I did with Hook. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was pretty bored. Blah 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 blah. Whatever, Peter. Nobody cares. A little slow on the uptake there, Justin. <laughs> no, I, I just found myself being like, all right, 20 minutes in, nothing has happened yet. 40 minutes in, nothing has happened slow. yet. But I think that's, I think that is supposed to be part of it, right? Is like that monotony that leads up to the terror. But yeah. I mean, I could not watch this movie because it was just so nauseating. Like the shaky camera. I had not fully appreciated the importance of a tripod until trying to watch this movie and getting like you were like kind of watching peeking through your fingers because the visuals I couldn't even do that I like faced the other direction and listened to it because it was like even out of the corner of my eye it made me like if I turn around too fast I get dizzy so there was no way I could watch this movie Uh, it's interesting the three of us I don't probably without intending to have recapitulated but I understand were the three main reactions to the movie when it came out me thinking hey this is a pretty good inventive movie i liked it and <laughs> trisha going this is terribly boring i hate it and greta saying i can't even tell if i like it i'm too nauseous to look at it <laughs> apparently people got really nauseous watching yes. this movie because of all the oh, and i can't even imagine on a big screen oh god yeah. oh god no 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 um speaking of the nausea it was funny because I don't know. It hadn't even occurred to me to take a Dramamine ahead of time, but it did occur to Wes, who called in. Hi, guys. It's Wes Davis um, from Korea right now. I'm originally from New Mexico, but I'm in the Army, so um, I'm in Korea. Blair Witch Project. Uh, I was stationed in Germany, um, was on leave in New Mexico, was so excited to watch it with my friend. We were worried with all the herky-jerky camera we'd get motion sick, so we took Dramamine, went in there, and... (laughs) Yeah, not impressed at all. Never understood why they were scared of what sounded kind of like rocks falling in the woods. Um, The only scary part, I think, was the end where dude was in the corner staring at nothing. Yeah, uh, not impressed to this day. Uh, But thanks for giving me the chance to talk to you guys. Bye. Did we hear from any of the many people who love this movie and were happily freaked out by it? Um, kind. 
end of the, I guess. Well, we could hear this one is probably, I don't know. I think all of these voicemails are really great, but Margaret's is pretty wild. Should we listen to that one? Hey, Nerdette and Peter. This is Maggie calling from Waltham, Massachusetts. Waltham! I mostly wanted to call in about the Blair Witch Project because uh, if I was ever on Jeopardy and I had to do the thing or I told a fun story about myself, um, mine would definitely be that uh, I saw the Blair Witch Project in the movie theater when it came out, and the person who took me to see it was... Kurt Vonnegut. What? Yes, that Kurt Vonnegut. I went to summer camp with his daughter, Lily, and so he took us to see the film, um, which scared the crap out of us. Kurt Vonnegut thought it was hilarious, which I think makes (laughs) sense. Um, So that's like my favorite party story, that Kurt Vonnegut took me to see The Blair Witch Project, uh, as well as Blue Man Group. And I also can say that I've skinny dipped in Kurt Vonnegut's pool, but that's another story. Anyway, uh, keep up the great work and can't wait to hear you talk about the rest of these 90s classics. Bye. That's the greatest story I've ever heard. (laughs) I think we should immediately change the focus of this entire podcast series to just having that woman on and telling us stories about Kurt Vonnegut. (laughs) Yes, please. uh, Do I have a second on the motion? (laughs) Seconded. This is Nerdette Recaps Margaret's Life with Kurt Vonnegut (laughs) with Peter Sagal. What? What? Isn't that amazing? What? You got to go see the Blair Witch Project with Kurt Vonnegut? You and just the woman. idea that he thought it was hilarious. Like, yes. the whole thing, it's just like, it's perfect. Did he say, so it goes after every character died? <laughs> Please? Also, I also really like the idea of him at the Blue Man group. Yes! <laughs> I, I like Kurt, the idea of Kurt Vonnegut doing most anything, yeah, but especially anything. these two things. Pretty much anything. Wow. More about Blair Witch in just a minute. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Okay, we have a couple more truly excellent voicemails, but first, let's listen to another clip. This is a pretty big turning point in the movie. It's uh, the map scene. It's fucked up, but I I kicked that fucking map into the creek. Yes, it was useless. I kicked that fucker into the creek. I fucking hate this kid. Wow! Mike, holy shit! I really fucking hope Mike, he's kidding. Are you kidding. I really fucking hope Mike, he's kidding. Are you fucking kidding? I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. You've got to be kidding me. Mike. You have got to fucking be kidding me. I'm fucking kidding. Get the fuck off me, man. What the fuck are you out of your fucking mind? Oh, not out of my mind. Right. The map doesn't man. do his shit. Do you realize? Not to you, but I do. Ay, ay, ay. Right? Yay. You know what I thought of during this movie a lot? GPS. Was when. <laughs> Many moons ago, Greta, you and I talked to Dr. Shana Gifford, yeah, who was a, a doctor for NASA who did this project about um, trying to keep sort of people who were trapped in a confined space together in a dome in Hawaii. It was a test run for a, mission, a Mars mission to see how people could handle a yeah, right. Space. So, like, can a can a small group of people not drive each other crazy while they wait for Mars to get close enough to Earth for? A, a transit back right and i just kept thinking about the thing she said which is whether or not you're an astronaut you should think about in your life mm. who do you want on your ship 
Like, who do you actually want around you? Who makes you better? <laughs> so you're saying not who... the asshole who kicks the map into the river and yeah, then laughs and maniacally just, about it? I just kept thinking, it. like, <laughs> no, I would not go into the woods for days with people I didn't know very well. Mm-hmm. That was the thing I realized. <laughs> I was like, I haven't, I'm not much of a camper. I like a nice low-key day hike <laughs> on a well-marked trail. But there's no way I would go camping with some dude I hadn't met because he was going to kick the map yeah. in the creek. Yeah, except one of the things that, I, I mean, you know me, I'm always like analyzing movies and thinking about the choices of the filmmakers. And, and one of the things that they chose to do was instead of having three dear friends go into the woods, which is the, what you'd expect because then, it's, you know, the, as under pressure, their, you know, their relationship cracks open. No, they yeah. hardly know each other. Uh, Heather, I think Heather is friends with Josh, mm-hmm. who knows Matt, Mike. maybe. Matt? Mike. And Mike, sorry, Matt, Mike, whatever. And they don't expect, of course, they're going to be spending a week in the woods. They think they're going to spend one night in the woods, right? That's the plan. We're going to go into the woods. We're going to film at this place. We're going to camp. We're going to walk out. And the fact that they don't know each other and don't particularly like each other ends up adding a lot to the tension. That's like group project dynamics. (laughs) Yes. Right. And so they weren't selected for, you know, their astronaut skills they were just three people randomly threw, thrown into a situation and then they end up having a lot of stress a lot of it and and that was that particular scene was an interesting again choice because one of the hallmarks i think about the movie is everything that happens to them is scary and eerie and weird but explicable mm-hmm. right there, there's th- th- nothing happens in the movie that has to be right. magic they could be being pranked and and when the map disappeared, I thought it was going to be one of those things, right? Like the map has mysteriously disappeared. Well, maybe somebody stole it. You don't know. It doesn't have to be a mystery. And when they solve the mystery and they say one guy, well, I just kicked the map into the creek. I thought that was an interesting choice because I thought they'd leave that being hmm. one of the very weird, creepy things that happened that could be explainable, but has never explained. So I have a question for you all that kind of speaks to that and also speaks to the... <laughs> The idea of infinite battery life that seems to exist in this movie. I love that that's what you guys are focusing on. It's like, yes, we've done media. (laughs) No, the thing that I focused on is like, at what point when you're on a camping trip that goes terribly wrong, are you like, fuck this documentary, I'm going to stop filming so I can focus on getting the fuck out of these woods? But that becomes a part of the conversation. They start yelling at Heather to stop filming. And in fact, they talk about that. Somebody says, the reason you keep filming is you don't want to deal with life. You're always like at one remove. Stop filming. Why are you so obsessed with Yeah, I just feel like I would have stopped before (laughs) they do. Yeah. Although, I mean, one of the things I liked about this movie, I liked it a lot, actually, is (laughs) how carefully they thought about those things. Mm. They thought about that very criticism. Okay, you got three people stuck in the woods. These weird things are happening. They they keep getting lost. Why would they steep, keep filming, which is the entire premise of our movie? Well, they put that into the dialogue. They said, have an argument about this. Remember, Heather, you always want to keep filming. The other guys freak out about it. So so make that part of the movie. They they anticipated that objection, and they tried at least to work it into the film. I'm like, good for you And guys. initially, right, it kind of feels like they're like, oh, this will be fun footage for us to have for the thing we're making later. And then it starts to feel more like a, um, you know, like a ship's diary or like a captain's diary or something where it's like, oh, no, I'm not going to survive whatever this is, but maybe somebody will find this footage where it starts to right. feel like it's a, it's a goodbye it's note. It's the black box. Uh, we have one more clip, and it is Heather's monologue right at the end. Let's listen to it. I insisted that we keep going. 
I insisted that we walk south. Everything had to be my way. And this is where we've ended up. And it's all because of me that we're here now. Hungry. And cold. And hunted. So, Trisha, did you, were you scared at all watching this? No. Yeah. I mean, it did make me go like, oh, yeah, I'm not going camping. <laughs> okay, okay. So that's Which I something guess is, I would say. But it wasn't yeah. sort of like jump scare scared. I kind of, for the first yeah. half of the movie, thought that I was going to have, that the movie was going to have more of that, where it was going to be more yeah. like, yeah, you know, like, things what? that they were me actually too. afraid yeah. of seeming near, even if it was off camera, but like, really, you don't get confirmation that there is really anything in the woods with them uh, until they reach the house. And then like, oh, the house exists. That is from the stories that they heard in town, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like I think most really great horror movies either never show you the scary thing because your imagination's always going to be scarier than like the CGI or the thing they build mm-hmm. or they only show you at the very, very end, right? Like I'm thinking of right. even like some of the... Oh, gosh. Like the M. Night Shyamalan movie uh, Signs, where there's these creatures, right, that have taken over. And you see, like, one creepy, slimy finger at one point. But I think in that movie, too early, you see the creature, and then Mm. it's less scary. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of Bird Box. I don't know if y'all saw that, Mm -hmm. but that was one Mm -hmm. where, like, yes. And did y'all come across Ebert's uh, review of this movie? Because he mentioned that, too. He gave it four stars. He called it a celebration of rock bottom production values. And then he had this line at a time when digital techniques can show us almost anything. The Blair Witch Project is a reminder that what really scares us is the stuff we can't see. Right. There's a famous story about Spielberg reflecting on Jaws. Mm. Uh, and he says, yeah, the mistake we made was we, sh- we showed the shark too much. Yeah. 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 I can uh, see that. And, and, and that's become almost like you don't show the shark is like a, a, a saying. One of the interesting things about that clip is like that's the most famous image of the Blair Witch Project. It was Heather staring into the camera, just the top, like only quarter of her face, that watch cap as she, as she says those lines. And now we're being hunted. And, and when we got to that scene, I was like, oh, here it is. This, this famous image, the one thing I know about this movie, mm-hmm. this image. And I honestly thought that that would be the end of the movie, that the last thing you'd hear her do that. I'm sorry we're being hunted. I'm, you know, I'm so scared. I'm so sorry to everybody. And then some horrible monster would appear and kill her because that's what I assumed happened at the end of the movie. And I was kind of amazed that the movie continued for another 10 minutes mm-hmm. and that the ending in the house was still ambiguous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand. I, I'm not smart enough. I didn't understand the last thing you see as she's screaming and screaming and screaming, and she runs down the stairs. You only know she's running down the stairs because you see what she's filming, and she gets there and she sees Mike staring away into the corner, and then something happens and the camera falls. And I was like, and I, I actually I backed up. I watched it again. I said, what did I miss? Did I miss the monster? Hmm. And it turns out that they tried a bunch of different things at the end, including a shot of. Mike being hung, having been hung like one of those figurines they mm-hmm. saw in the woods and a shot of Mike strangely levitating off the ground and they went with that for two reasons first of all it's constructed so that it's an echo of a story right. you heard yeah. what they actually put in later they actually went back and shot this to set it up when they realized they wanted to use the ending oh interesting what he did is he took uh, the kids down in a basement by twos and he made one face into the corner really and then he would kill the other one they set that up in retrospect. 
But it, I think they also really wanted to end the movie with no, again, obviously supernatural thing, no glimpse of the monster, because they wanted to maintain that credibility all through the marketing campaign and the release of the movie. Because if the movie ended with showing a demon or a witch or a monster the way that every other horror movie like Lovecraft Country, just to take a random example, oh my God, the monster's real, then all of a sudden it's fiction again. And they, I think they made the wise decision to never give that away, to never show you something on screen that as scary as it may be, because, ah, it's a monster, gives you in the same place in the back of your mind, oh, it's a movie. Yeah. So Peter, oh yeah, you, that's, a, that's a guy in a costume. You liked it. Okay. Did you find it scary? Like, were there, did it creep you I, out? I, 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 well, let me put it this way. I, not really, mm-hmm. because it's 20 years later, and I know the story, and I, I, I've heard, and I heard an interview with Heather, Heather, the actress Heather, who left acting and married a guy who had a pot farm and wrote a book about it. So, I mean, <laughs> I knew, I knew that it was all fiction, and I knew about the viral marketing campaign, and I know about the sequels, and there's a video game, blah blah blah. I think if I had actually gone to see it at the time, I would have been scared out of my wits. Mm. Because I think that without knowing any of that, it was really, really effective. And of course, movies are made for people presumably who haven't seen them yet. <laughs> I did. I did think um, that part of why I wasn't as scared is I had no emotional investment in the character surviving at all. Yeah, I think that horror films often don't do that super well. But this movie didn't even try to give us basically <laughs> any backstory on who these three people were or why we should care about them. Or what the relationship was. And Peter, you mentioned earlier that that kind of felt like a strength to you because it didn't feel... Yeah, it didn't feel like a cliche. But it also... Yeah. I didn't care about them. I mean, I cared about them in that they are humans and I suppose I didn't want them to die because... I suppose I didn't want them well, to but, die. Well, but in the context of this movie, it wasn't like uh, I knew anything about them that made me think like... Right, you didn't have... There were no motivations yeah. or like interesting yeah. characters. Yeah, totally. Think though about how you react to viral videos these days, right? Somebody posts a video of like somebody screaming at a barista or a Costco person or whatever it may be. And you have this real emotional reaction to the experience of the person being yelled at or the person being harassed or the person going through a difficult time because you know they're real. If you know a real human being is going through something, you immediately have a tremendous amount of sympathy in a way that you don't with a fictional character. A fictional character has to earn your sympathy. A real person, you just naturally give it to you. So that's kind of why I admired this. They didn't try to set up reasons why you should care about Heather. They didn't say, oh, Heather, you know, she's this aspiring filmmaker and this is her project and if she, this works. You know, they, they didn't bother with it. They just, they just present to us, these are three real people. And they relied on our natural instinct to care about what happens to real people, even if we don't know them. And I thought that was pretty cool. The grumpy old white dudes expressing an opinion. Everybody gather around. (laughs) (sighs) Getting kind of sad there, Justin. A little sad. Oh, he's starting to get feisty. I liked it. I liked it. Um, Trisha, I think speaking to your frustration about a lack of backstory, um, Especially, I'm surprised you're not more frustrated with the witch, which Sarah was. Let's listen to her voicemail. My name is Sarah. A friend of mine recommended your show to me, so I am a first-time listener, first-time objector. And I'd like to tell you why I think The Blair Witch Project is a bad movie. First of all, I just want to point out that I am a 
a spooky lover, okay? Right at this moment, I am within three feet of a Ouija board. So for the Blair Witch Project, this was their game to lose. I was already on board. All I remember is just waiting to meet this infamous, this incredible Blair Witch. Where was she? Why didn't we get to meet her? Why didn't we get to hear her origin story? Why is Hollywood obsessed with taking away roles for women, okay? (laughs) Never got to see her. Never got to hear from her. All we got was a couple of sticks, some heavy breathing, and three people having interpersonal communication problems in the middle of the woods. (laughs) Unbelievably disappointing. Zero out of ten. <laughs> Did it do a lot for the genre? Sure, probably. Is their poster really cool? Absolutely. Will I ever watch it again? Maybe on a first date if I'm trying to be polite. Anyway, happy Halloween. I, I, I gotta say, from one indignant hater to another, game recognizes game, girl. Yeah, that was Sarah. awesome. <laughs> Wasn't that amazing? First time listener hopefully calls every week because I need to know what Sarah thinks about everything. That was awesome. I've, I've never thought of like a criticism of the movie like they don't show the witch. You've deprived a working right? actress of a role. That didn't occur to me. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah with their $20,000 budget, they were going to get Meryl Streep to play the Blair Witch. I read that it was a $60,000 budget, but point eight. Yes, that's what I read. That's what I read. That's, that's hilarious. We have one more voicemail. It is from Sam. It is delightful. This might be the best voicemail episode yet, y'all. Wow, okay. Hi, Nerdettes and Peter. Uh, This is Sam from Maryland. Uh, I was 15 when The Blair Witch Project came out, and it was the only movie I ever legit snuck into. This was before you could order tickets online in advance, and we had no idea how popular this movie would be. We get there, it's sold out, but we'd driven 45 minutes to get to the movie theater because I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Maryland, and we just couldn't go home without seeing this movie because it was filmed in my home state of Maryland. So we bought tickets to a movie in the same wing of the theater as Blair Witch, and when nobody was looking, we snuck into the auditorium where Blair Witch was being shown, and there were like two or three empty seats, and they weren't together. So I ended up in the very front row watching this shaky-ass camera footage for an hour and a half. I was so nauseous. Honestly, the scariest part was when an usher came through at one point. He was shining his flashlight to make sure we all had tickets to the show, but he couldn't read the fine print on every ticket, so we got away with it. It wasn't until, like, after the movie was over and we were walking back to the car in the dark that I started to get really scared about what I'd just seen. That movie freaked me out so hard for, like, weeks afterward. Anyway, love the show. Here's what I love about Sam. <laughs> a lot of things, right? So many, so many Everything. things. Everything, but also Sam and so many of our Nerdette listeners, who I think are kindred spirits to me, were like, the most dangerous thing they did at 15 was sneak into a movie. Because, like, the way he's talking about it, like, the archness of that moment of the usher maybe catching them. Well, and the fact that he says that's the scariest part of the experience yeah. of watching the Blair Witch Project is when the <laughs> usher that somebody checks might the know that you broke a rule. And so, yeah, as again, as the person who can enjoy Almost Famous because it just stresses me out too much that he's not working on his story and he's going to miss his deadline. Uh, the idea that for our listeners at 15, the most outrageous thing they did was sneak into the movies is very yeah. sweet. We don't have a real lawbreaker demographic, I don't think. I don't think so. Y'all didn't do enough fun stuff in high school. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Greta remains a little silent. <laughs> Among other things that were kind of believable, I have to tell you, just as somebody who does this, I loved Heather's narrator voice. (laughs) 
think we're all guilty of having one of those. <laughs> yeah. It is a small, quiet Maryland town. Much like a small, quiet town anywhere. Some say... Hell, you ready to shoot the scene? Okay. <clears throat> Some say that here at Coffin Rock... I'm like, oh, yeah, I do that. <laughs> I think the, the reason, just to sum it up, the reason that I liked the movie and I thought it was better than I expected and I thought it was effective was because throughout the movie, right to the very end, as flattering or as not a depiction of real people as they may have been presenting, it struck me as real. Like, that's how people would really react to this bizarre situation. And that kept me going. So, next week... There's a little thing happening, so we decided to do a little movie called Election. Oh, boy. How excited are you all about that whole <laughs> situation? I'm more excited about watching the movie Election. Than actually watching the election. Oh, at least, yeah. At least uh, Election, we know how it turns out, the movie. The real one, we don't know yet. Oh, I don't know and how so the movie will... turns out. Don't spoil anything. Oh, you've never me. seen no. it? Yeah, I've never seen it either. It's great fun, although, oh, man, I, I, I will just tell you this. Are you about to spoil it? No, I'm not about to spoil okay. it. In many ways, this movie is a horror movie for middle-aged men. Oh, great. I'm looking forward because, to it. <laughs> because a middle-aged man played by Matthew Broderick, who used to play young men, is routinely and consistently humiliated. And, and I have thought about images from that movie in the same way that like people who like scary movies think about monsters <laughs> jumping out of closets. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, the bee sting. Oh my God. So you will see what I mean and we'll discuss it next week. All right. Well, I guess I'll see y'all for that then. All right. That's it for today. Thanks to all of you who left voicemails. I really do think that was one of the best batches we've ever gotten. The show is produced by me along with Justin Bull. Our intern is Isabel Carter, and our executive producer is Brendan Banzak. See you next week for the election. No, for election, not that election. The other one, you know. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.